0: two days into the road to Wrestlemania 36 we're back state of combat professional wrestling edition you know by the sound of this voice it's your boy the Silver King Adam Silverstein coming to you live from South Florida the site of Super Bowl live not live Morgan Super Bowl L I V I believe that is 54 and it is going to be a busy week for yours truly down here in South Florida Going to my first ever Super Bowl Couple of weeks coming out of the uh, College Football Playoff National Championship Went down to Orlando for the PGA Merchandise Show last week It is a busy, busy month or five weeks Whatever you would like to call it uh, But I'm not alone on this show And my travels are not the only ones that are important here We also have Blackjack Jack Crosby, the man of a million nicknames, on the other line. We're once again kind of bringing you not so much an instant analysis type of show, but a relatively fast-paced edition of the State of Combat. We have some time crunches here. We're obviously a couple days out of the Royal Rumble, and not that much has happened in the world of WWE in that short period, although Raw was certainly exciting. But we are going to break it all down for you uh, on the show. We're going to talk... NXT Worlds Collide which we were not able to get to Sunday night. We're going to talk about AEW Dynamite on the Jericho Cruise and wrap up a bunch of news and notes in some quick hitters today. Uh, coming out of things that have happened over the last week that are pretty substantial in the world of professional wrestling. But before we get into that show, I need to introduce. Used to be the third man. I don't know what you are now, but you're my co-host today, Jack Rosby.
1: I'm just here, man. Boy, you talk about the Super Bowl and I hit that part of the year where i do or I, I hit that part of every wrestlemania season where i wish they would just bring their own roman numerals back for these i really miss those i do
0: I, you know i don't really like the wwe's gone away from not just the roman numerals but they don't even refer to it by numbers anymore
1: just like, because vince says it makes it sound all like come on man like that's yeah. one of the vince systems where you're like dude really
0: it is a little ridiculous. WrestleMania, the name, the brand does stand on its own. Just like Super Bowl does. But the, you would the think year as, is, as the number went up, you would be proud of that. that right. It's important. It shows legacy. It shows that, that you have built something that has sustained such a period of time. I think maybe he looks at it like we don't see SummerSlam 27. You know what I mean? It's only mania, but Stupid. you know, I'm I'm okay with them not including it in the logo. If that's what they want to do for brand reasons, but when you're referring to and you're promoting this, this is freaking WrestleMania 36. I mean, it's yeah. great. Like I, the fact that I've been to so many recently, I would love to say, hey, I've been to X of the 36 WrestleManias, you know, like it means something to fans. So, so dumb. It, it really is strange uh, that they stopped doing that. But but the NFL has not gone away from that, which is overall good news. Uh, they, you know, have, are sticking with the Super Bowl. It's live. It's in Miami, which has club live. The stadium actually has... A mini club live inside the stadium. I don't know what's going to happen, uh, but it's going to be an exciting game between the Chiefs and 49ers. And yours truly uh, is very excited to be able to go to his first ever Super Bowl. The One of the prior times the Super Bowl was in Miami. The 49ers also played in it. Off the top of my head, I'm forgetting who they played. Um, my parents won. And I didn't get to go. I was too young at the time anyway. But That was uh, one
1: of the Broncos games, wasn't it?
0: It might have been, uh, but, but it was back in the day for sure. I was real young, and I didn't get the opportunity to go. And subsequent ones here, um, you know, without working for CBS Sports, uh, <laughs> tickets are you can't yeah, either impossible to come by or you're going to bankrupt yourself trying to go. So very lucky, very um, thrilled to have this opportunity. But that is the NFL. I'm going to be talking a little bit more NFL later in the show. Uh, but we need to get into the main event here, Jack, and start talking wrestling and what a main event we have today because of the main event that WWE gave us on Monday night. You ha- they teased it probably, I don't know, I'm going to be generous here, 27 times over the course of the show that Edge would be there and and make an announcement and talk about his decision or ability to return to the ring. And we got that in the main event. Edge came out, gave a really strong Uh, candid promo about you know what it took for him to get back having an additional surgery you know the the violins playing everyone's you know really feeling it uh, getting he's getting emotional it's a great moment and they pay off the tease in the Royal Rumble Randy Orton comes out and from what we saw the second Orton came out Jack through the end of that segment that's as good as it gets it's as good as WWE storytelling and professional wrestling storytelling gets and for them to be able to tell that much and develop that much of a storyline in about six minutes, there was like a three or four minute overrun to the show. For them to be able to accomplish that, um, it just goes to show not only how good those two are as true Hall of Famers, not only how good the storyline is between them, but how poorly booked and written WWE had had been from like... I don't know, the prior August, let's say, through this past September, over the count, over that year period, how terribly uh, WWE had booked where they can't take something simple, like an injury storyline. Now, this was a career ending storyline, but an injury storyline and put two guys on the mic without a script and just let them go do their thing. And granted, I said this on Twitter, you know, Edge is a Hall of Famer. Randy Orton's a future Hall of Famer, first ballot, you know, if that was such a thing in WWE. But, So these are two of the best to ever do it. Still, this segment was so freaking good. There were people who don't watch WWE who ended up finding clips online and are like, I'm going to turn in next week. And I think that's a credit to Edge. It's a credit to Randy Orton. It's a credit to Paul Heyman and Vince McMahon for booking it that way. And I think hopefully this opens some eyes on what these superstars, not just these two guys, but the roster as a whole, can do when left to their own devices
1: they stole WrestleMania season right off the bat from everybody else from Brock and drew from Roman and the fiend, presumably from Charlotte. They stole WrestleMania. If this keep, I said it when I tweeted it last night, if they keep going on this track, this is going to be the match you're going to wait to see in Tampa. It's not going to be Brock and drew. It's not going to be any other title match. It's not going to be anything else they put together. It's going to be edge getting his hands on Randy Orton. It's, Yo, know, when people say old school professional wrestling can't work today, yes it can. Yeah. It did last night. To perfection.
0: To perfection. And and what worked. you just what you just said though is a danger of this because look, if we're being completely honest, the Drew McIntyre Brock Lesnar match, it's exciting, right? We like yeah. Drew we like Drew McIntyre. Different. Exactly. We like Drew McIntyre. He's someone different. It's not a Roman Reigns. And as much as we love, you know, Daniel Bryan and A.J., and guys like that, we've seen those now. You know what I mean? We we want to see something different at WrestleMania and we're getting that. At the same time, that's a storyline they gotta figure out and develop over the next sixty-eight days, I think it is, as we take this show. That's a lot of time for two two big dudes. And um to their to, credit, Drew did a good story. job.
1: Drew did a good job in his role last night of getting it started. I, I enjoyed that. I thought Drew did a good job. I thought the Brock stuff was good. But these two just Again, it's classic professional wrestling booking. All you're going to wait for from now until Tampa is when Edge gets his hands on Randy Orton. Now, what I say that meaning Edge should not touch him until April 5th. Well, I don't think he's going to be able to. I think they, I think they just wrote
0: him off until April uh, 1st. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but
1: but but you know how impatient yes. WWE can be,
0: well, and when uh, they
1: see something that's hot, they will. You know, may, they might have had a plan to bring Edge back in. I'm just going to like a month and a half. They'll change that to three weeks and have them come out and attack Randy. And then
0: you go, why did you do that?
1: Right. You and, couldn't help yourselves.
0: Could you? And that is certainly the danger. My you point haven't... about my, my point about Lesnar and McIntyre though, is that they have to build anticipation for that match. We want to see it, but I'm not dying to see it. If you told me that you're never going to end up seeing that match, I'd, I'd, tr- I'd shrug basically, but this is now a match. Like you said, and this is why I'm coming back to it, that has now become the main event of WrestleMania 36 in a flash. And WWE, you know, as much as we would like that, they ultimately can't have that. You can't have two guys on the other side of 40 main eventing your show when you have four world titles, two women's, two men, and some of the best wrestlers in the world on your roster. So it's going to be interesting to see, how they develop this entire thing. I really like that the angle that they told gives Edge an excuse to be out of action, to be not on television. It also probably gives Randy an excuse to take a few weeks off here and there because the less we see of these guys, the more that their appearances that they do make over the next couple of months is going to mean more. The more Edge eventually running in and interfering in a Randy Orton match or after a match is over or in a backstage segment and spearing him, and doing something drastic and rated R to him, the more that's going to mean when it eventually happens. So honestly, I, I, I don't think they could have done it better. I think that's really the way I can close it. It was perfect. No, oh, that, was, that was perfection. The other thing I loved during that, and we'll close on this, is uh, when Edge was giving his promo, and he started running down a lot of the names uh, in the match, uh, in the Royal Rumble and, and how he'd love to face them. He said Roman Reigns and Matt Riddle and so on. I don't know if you noticed this, Jack, but he stopped on Seth Rollins and like like crunched his face and gave a death stare into the camera. And I thought that was fantastic storytelling. Obviously, if you guys remember, I don't know the year, but part of... 2015. 2015 when Rollins was heel and he was trying to get John Cena to allow the authority back uh, into WWE, he basically put I believe it was he put Edge's head on top of a Money in the Bank briefcase or a chair or something like that and uh, basically used that as a threat to Cena. You know, I'm going to stomp him if you don't do this. Cena relented. Edge went to do it anyway, and then it really continued the Seth Rollins and John Cena feud, which was great. So I thought it was great storytelling, and it may have just been Edge doing it that they didn't forget that because if you told me that the actual direction for Mania was going to be Edge and Rollins paying off that storyline – that would have been just as good. He really did have two ready-made potential opponents in Orton and Rollins. And I think either one would have worked really well for him.
1: There's a lot you could do with Edge, which is why it's so exciting. Obviously, you have to get the Orton thing out of the way first, which it's great. But but post-WrestleMania, that's, what, that's when, for me, I think it gets interesting. Now, I don't know if they would if a Randy Orton match is going to be a one-off or if they're, or if they're going to do maybe one more, what, what, whatever's it? What's after wrestling? I can't remember anymore. Whatever's after that.
0: Usually they do a, 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 a payback or backlash. I think we call it pay backlash.
1: One of those. Things. So they might do one more, which I don't know. We'll have to see if it's worth it or not. Right. Um. But no, there's, there's, it's so exciting the things you could do with edge, new guys, older guys, you know, Guys that are just becoming veterans now, like a Seth Rollins or Roman Reigns, you know, throw them in there because here's another thing I'm, I'm waiting for. Like, this is all well and good, but what I really can't wait for is when edge turns heel. Oh yeah. Uh, Cause that's what edges had his best. Like he's doing this great work now as Randy. Cause we all know Randy is the greatest psychopath in the history of wrestling. Probably maybe next to Kevin Sullivan, it Might go Kevin Sullivan, Randy Orton. Yeah. But, Edge, as we know that that's where Edge shines the most. So eventually, down the road, whatever it may be, he's going to turn heel, and that's going to be awesome.
0: It is, and it's going to be a good opportunity for them to kind of go through a bunch of heel opponents for him and then make that switch, and he has a bunch of face opponents. And depending how long he's with the company, I know that it seems, I think, like he wants to be on Raw specifically, maybe for family reasons. Maybe it makes sense with their travel schedule with Beth. I'm not sure, but... If then he goes to SmackDown and they do a draft again in October or whenever they end up doing it, that's going to be really interesting as well. They may even do it. We don't really know what they're going to do now because the superstar shakeup was so bad and they did the draft and they did the draft in October after the TV deal. We don't really know what their plans are going forward. And that includes pay-per-views as well. We're going to talk later in the show about Super Showdown, but I just told you that pay backlash is usually after WrestleMania, right? Well, it was supposed to be. And then last year they did money in the bank, like immediately after Mania, which was so weird, as opposed to doing it in June or July. Um, so there. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. So, uh, so these super showdowns, the blood money in the sands, these, their schedule has been really screwed up over the last few years. So between that, the brand split, the draft, we really don't know what WWE is going to do. And I think that's kind of the exciting part where again, a year ago at this time on the road to Mania, we were like, Right. Becky's there. It's going to be fun. It's going to be good. We have the Kofi storyline, but I didn't feel a lot of real anticipation for the pay-per-view. I feel that this year already, and I think it's only going to get better over the next couple of months. I want to end the Edge thing on this, Jack. I don't know if you saw it. It was a late night. Last night It was late two days for us, 48 hours. But WWE posted on social media the aftermath of Randy Orton's attack on Edge. It's a six-minute clip. It's on Twitter, Facebook, and probably YouTube and wherever else. And I badly wish that it was on television as well. I wish they stayed with it on air because Edge is incredible. So they, long story short, and you guys should definitely go watch it, they put him in a neck brace. They wheel him off backstage. In the backstage area, he's getting rolled through. He's getting rolled by the Street prophets and Our truth and so on. First thing he, goes, he, he asks is for them to call Natty or get Natty So she can contact Beth. And he's doing this in a, not crying, but a pained, scared look on his face while he's getting stretchered off. Then he gets Ray, then he sees Ray Mysterio and he goes, Ray, Ray, I'm scared. And they roll him into the ambulance and R-Truth's yelling at them for, you know, being rough with him, basically. And they they roll him into the ambulance. They speed off and they show the ambulance uh, driving through the curves of this parking structure under whatever arena they were in in Texas. It was awesome. It added another layer to the devastation that Randy Orton delivered in the ring. And again, I'm not saying it's the type of storytelling that only WWE can do, but they've mastered it when they choose to go and do it. And they freaking mastered it on Monday night. So uh, Edge, Orton, fully excited for it. WrestleMania 36, road to WrestleMania 36 has begun. And that's where we're going to continue here, Jack, in the main event. A uh, couple notes from Raw, a couple notes from WWE. As it pertains to WrestleMania, uh, we started obviously with Drew McIntyre officially challenging Brock Lesnar. Beats the OC uh, two-on-one. I thought it went a little bit too easy for me. The, that, the OC is a legitimate team. They were just recently tag team champions. I think it should have been harder than that. And then he gets F5 by Brock. And we've seen this basically every time Brock gets called out for Mania. Uh, I thought it was fine. Drew's promo was really good. It's tough to for me to buy him a little bit as a face, even though I know... He's a good face. Uh, he just looks like a heel. You know, he's so dark and, he, and he's so, uh, uh, you know, what's so violent. He's so capable of being violent that the, the face turn was very sudden this month, right before the Royal Rumble. Uh, but ultimately, there's a lot of beef in this match, Jack. Uh, this is a Vince McMahon dream match for WrestleMania. And I think those two delivered on Monday.
1: Yeah, which is the problem I have. Because like you said... I don't have a problem with Drew as a babyface, but what I started to notice last night, when you're putting a microphone in the guy's hands, he he's he's showing his personality. But the problem now is he's becoming the corny babyface. He is corny. I agree. Which yeah. this is this reeks of. If this is my WrestleMania main event, well, I, no, I, I I mean I hate that that term because I think Roman and Bray are going to be the last match. But I you know to- what I mean. If this is going to be my world title match. It's like, I don't want to see a scenario where Heyman does all this good work to get these guys to where they are. And then when it becomes too important, Vince says, okay, I got to have my hands on it. Like, okay, now I got to have Drew. If, if you're going to put him against Brock in, in the WWE championship match at WrestleMania, all right, here's what I need Drew to say. It's like, no, yeah. let Drew just go out there, kick people in the face. Like, I, honest to God, if it wasn't, I wouldn't have a problem with the way he just laid the OC to waste last night. If he didn't say a word, if he just told them, "Come on," and boom, boom, took him, took him down. That makes him look like a badass. But when he's t- like the promo, I like the three, two, one because that I, I don't. Anytime you connect with the crowd, no, your job in professional wrestling is to connect with the crowd. That connects with the crowd. He's doing his job, one hundred percent. That's that caught on. So three, two, one. And people know someone's getting kicked in the face. Love that. And if he's gonna go over at WrestleMania. When he's in front of seventy thousand people and they know it's coming and Brock is staggered and Drew says three, two, that's gonna be a WrestleMania moment we're never gonna forget when he kicks Brock's head
0: off and pins him. I'm not a huge fan of telegraphed finishers in general. So Roman Reigns, ooh, Shawn Michaels, I love the super kick, but the pounding on the canvas, Randy Orton, I love the RKO. I have said many times it's my favorite finisher all time. I hated when he banged the canvas. Because it lets your opponent know that you're about to hit them with the finisher. It's like it's, – it's the opposite of what a finisher is supposed to be, which is yeah, sudden but and effective. It, but but from a logic
1: standpoint in a fight, if they're discombobulated, they don't know what the hell's going on.
0: But, but they're not always discombobulated. when you're. That's why the RKO is so good because it comes out – can, you can hit it out of nowhere. Using that, it takes away that factor from it. But um, So I'm not a huge fan of telegraph finishers anyway. But what I particularly don't like is that it wasn't natural. It wasn't like Drew just did the fingers – he would he's screaming 3-2-1 to get the crowd to buy into it and start doing it, which again, it's fine. It's wrestling. That's the ultimate goal. But when we're talking about him appearing corny, to me, that's part of him appearing corny to me, oh. stuff stuff like that. So you're right, though. Had he just beat the crap out of the OC, grabbed the mic, and not necessarily like Goldberg, but basically said, you're next, and thrown the mic down, or or maybe saved his challenge, beat them – Then done that, hey, Brock, you're next. And that was his challenge. Then all of a sudden, it's really exciting and good. But it just felt very very formulaic to me of guy challenges Brock, has a match. Brock comes out after the win and fives him and looks tall. And that's okay because Brock is going to be the guy on top for the next couple of months of Drew. But I want to see almost Brock's aggression and dominance of Drew over this period of time Make Drew realize he, he can be happy that he got this main event, but he can't be happy go lucky. He, he has to get serious again. And then you get back into that role. So, you know, we're criticizing the storyline for a raw show that has been pretty freaking good over, we've talked about it over the months and especially the last couple of weeks. It's, it's got, I thought it had a, a rough week three weeks ago. It's gotten back into the flow. I'm going to trust them because putting my trust in them over the last couple of months has paid off. I think it's going to be OK. The other uh, WrestleMania decision that needs to be made is by Charlotte Flair, who, who came out, teased her decision again in a, you know, middle type of role between babyface and heel. Almost like they're going to decide which side she's going to take based on who she challenges. Um, teased the decision, never made one, laughed about it. And then Asuka and Kyrie Sane come out. And, dude, I thought if it was old WWE, like a, a year ago. Charlotte would have submitted Asuka one day after Becky submitted Asuka, and my head would have exploded. Instead, I love that Kyrie Sane jumped in with the insane elbow, basically, broke up the match. Their heels, it's fine, they can do that. Um, but now Charlotte doesn't have an opponent yet for WrestleMania. You have Becky doing this. You know, I used to be humble, but now I'm the greatest. It's not necessarily a heel turn yet, but it's definitely a A cockiness to her, an additional cockiness that she's adding to her character that could come back to bite her depending on her challenger. So you proposed during our instant analysis that Charlotte might challenge or that you would book at least Charlotte to challenge Rhea Ripley for the NXT title. I think we have to at this point. And I got to tell you, dude, coming out of Raw, I don't don't think that's going to happen. I know that's what's going to happen. It it has to. It has
1: to because I said it last night on Twitter and – I had a lot of people agree with me, actually, which was shocking because sometimes they're defensive of Charlotte. I said, look, I get the drag it out thing, but you cannot drag it out if the end game is either given a Charlotte versus Bailey or Charlotte versus Becky for the four thousand five hundred sixty seven time. If that's the end game, get it over with. But you're right. Again, I, I said it in the robbery cap on CBS sports dot com. I made it clear. I understand it's unlikely. I do. But there's been this push lately between Survivor Series. The Women's Royal Rumble match wasn't NXT Royal Rumble. There's been this push to to uh, promote NXT as that legit third brand. What better way to do that than in Portland, uh, Rhea Ripley beats Bianca Belair, which we all pretty much know is going to happen. But you know how NXT always has this way of when the lower third comes up on the screen to show you the show. So what if Rhea, they put that on in the main event and Rhea's standing tall. Last match, Rhea's standing tall with the women's title and Charlotte freaking Flair shows up and says, guess what? I'll see you in Tampa. Could you imagine? It
0: would be be incredible. Yeah. Charlotte at the NXT takeover closes the show saying, hi, I choose you. Right. Don't forget. I made this division. You know what I mean? And I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take the title back. It's it's it would be great booking. And you said you know this is your bo- fantasy booking. You don't know that it's gonna happen. I think it is going. I to have happen. hope now. I, after yeah. last night, I have hope. Yeah, I, I actually do believe it's gonna happen. And I don't think that she's the only NXT superstar that we see because man, they didn't. I don't think they put Bianca Belair and Shayna Baszler over so strong in that Rumble for neither of them to have. For a big role in WrestleMania. I, I don't think it's going to be Air. Okay. I think she's going to be in NXT. She's going to stay there. Um, maybe she eventually is the one who wins the title off either Flair or Ripley, whatever the case is now we're really booking far out, but I am convinced that this Becky character change is to coax Shayna Baszler out and say, you think you're the best. I was champion for two freaking years in NXT and I'm going to end your reign. And I think we're going to get Becky Baszler and I think we're going to get Charlotte Flair, Rhea Ripley. Now, on the SmackDown side of things, Jack, I think Bayley is either going to lose the title in Elimination wow. Chamber or I think they simply use Elimination Chamber to get her number one contender. But let's not forget when, when we're talking about, hey, you know, Charlotte versus Becky or Bayley would be boring. We're not wrong about that. It would be boring. But WWE can change either of those titles anytime they want. They did it last year.
1: In my mentions, while I was after I said the Charlotte thing, one person did point out something that I thought was interesting, and I said, Huh, I guess it could happen. They said, What if Shayna Baszler takes a SmackDown title off of Bayley in the next few weeks? I said, Possible,
0: yeah. Oh,
1: and they go, and then Charlotte just says, Okay, I'm going after Shane. I went, Hey, that's not, hey,
0: that's not a bad idea. Only, I said, All right, that would work. That would only, work. The only problem with Charlotte as, um, this The Royal Rumble winner is WWE's insistence or willingness, I should say, to keep couples together on TV. So if she was to win the SmackDown title, that means Andrade basically is going to have to go over to SmackDown with her. How do you make that happen? Um, so those are things that need to be considered as well. And I do think that puts them in a little bit of a bind. Now, if they are willing to kind of split, you know, that could be possible, certainly. But... They're also pretty, not new into their relationship, but they literally just got engaged. So, I don't necessarily think that's something that they would want. So, there is real life to consider when figuring out how they're going to book some of these things.
1: But the bottom line is, uh, this whole thing before we move on. Sure. You 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 showed us last night that you're doing the drag it out thing with Charlotte. So, therefore, if you're going to do that, fine. That's your choice. But that means that you're, the choice for WrestleMania cannot be Becky Lynch and it cannot be Bailey Because it's a it's a complete waste of our time your time charlotte's time
0: everyone's time that that's exactly right if you're going to drag it out then the result the end final decision needs to be good enough to make the drag out worthwhile but again i'm gonna trust them it feels weird man like i don't want to put this this many eggs in their basket of like hey i trust you guys to do the right thing but it is wrestlemania season and we have we do have now you know October uh, basically November December we basically have three full months of WWE like paying things off for us so I'm gonna put the eggs in their basket and see what happens uh I would we would be remiss if we closed out talking about WWE some of the biggest storylines without talking about injuries because holy crap there have been three major ones over the last couple of weeks um it started a few weeks ago where when Sasha Banks I think it was a sent-on or a cannonball that she took from Dana Brooke and, and she landed, looked, looked like on her hip or maybe ribs or something like that. Sasha was hurt and we knew she was hurt but it didn't seem like anything was going to come of it necessarily. She was still announced for the Royal Rumble expectation she was going to be there. She wasn't. Uh, during the Royal Rumble itself on Sunday, AJ Styles reportedly separated his shoulder according to uh, Ryan Satin and according to, I believe, Dave Meltzer as well. Uh, timetable tbd they're not really sure about it and samoa joe on monday night again wrestlemania season samoa joe poor like, bastard stay freaking healthy this is three out of four years now um i don't know if it's a neck injury or a concussion but he took a really really bad fall with buddy murphy outside of the ring so you know i don't know what wwe had planned for these three my expectation jack was we were gonna get bailey sasha for the smackdown women's title that's yeah. kind of what i expected uh, Samoa Joe no clue what they were going to do with him AJ Styles also we speculated maybe a triple threat with Edge Norton maybe not I mean unless they completely redid that storyline on the fly Monday night in the main event it seems like they were going to go one-on-one so I really don't know what plans were for these three for mania uh, but a separated shoulder that can be longer than two months yeah. Sasha Banks injury we don't know Samoa Joe's injury we don't know so It does suck that really three of the best that WWE has right now may not be able to go in Mania as we're talking today.
1: Plus, in the cases of Joe and AJ, they're both over 40 years old. I mean, these guys aren't 21 anymore, and they've been beating the hell out of their bodies for, God, two decades now. In in the case of Sasha, look, I know people don't want to hear this, but this is why, and you you were one at it, why aren't they doing anything with Sasha Banks? Why? Look, man, from a business perspective, if, if I'm Vince McMahon, if I own a multi-billion dollar business, and I look at this woman and I go, you're a, you're, you're a little reckless out there. Now, now, when I say reckless, I don't mean bad wrestler. People, let me explain that before people get all up in their feelings like they usually do. When I say reckless, I do not mean Sasha Banks is a bad wrestler. Sasha Banks is an exceptional professional wrestler. However, when Sasha Banks is in that ring, she makes some really bad decisions with her body really bad for this and i
0: get it you're trying to entertain the crowd learn how to pull it back a little bit you're you're right about that the thing i'm gonna say is this sasha banks has been back for six months okay so this isn't like she came back and three weeks later got hurt which is kind of actually what happened but to Simo,
1: i but but Simojo. you got to be cautious
0: adam you still have to be
1: you can't you do, just go you,
0: and here you go six months later you start. do you you do and you're right but you cannot tell me that them not putting the title on her at the end of or during the Becky feud was the right decision. Because that was she was hot, she was on fire, that storyline was great, and they had a perfect opportunity in a, a stipulation match to change the title, put it on banks, and have Lynch chase again to WrestleMania or whenever you want Lynch to chase until. And they didn't pull the trigger. So I'd
1: still, I'd still be cautious given the history. And I and and I would, people, I would, I would, I would not at the titles Jack, but people that have again, get when, injured again when you, and you, so, when you put yourself in a position of a multi-billion like you're running a multi-billion-dollar company and you look at it and from an investment standpoint, I would tell her, you stay healthy for a year. We'll think about it.
0: But again, we'll I think, think about it. Here's where I disagree: is when you're talking about August, September, October, which is the time period we're talking about with Sasha. They still had you know six months until Mania, so that's enough time where you can do something like that, and God forbid something happens. You're you're still going to be safe. You're going to have plenty of time to rectify things ahead of WrestleMania. Look, people who have titles get injured all the time, okay? And they have shown a willingness to take titles off Sasha in like six days, 30 days. She's never had a long title reign in WWE. And you know what? None of them were due to injury. It was all due to their booking. So it wouldn't necessarily be the worst thing if you gave Sasha a title and God forbid, 26 days later she got hurt and she had to either lose a match or, or you took it off of her and you continued that storyline of her never being able to hold on to a title. So I, I don't, I don't buy that you can't trust her. And I just think it's really unfortunate that we're going into a mania. I think she's going to be okay. It doesn't seem like it's a serious enough injury Hopefully where not. they her off or anything. The fact that they announced her for the rumble, she was tweeting throughout the Royal rumble. I think she's going to be okay, but it just like, you know, Sasha Banks is awesome and it, it sucks that we don't get more of her. The
1: the only, only, I mean, the the most egregious thing they've ever done with her was probably WrestleMania 32 in Dallas. She should have won that. That's the match that that, will always
0: bug me with her. She should have won that one. That that was inexcusable. Absolutely. Uh, Moving on here, before we get to some quick hitters. uh, So we didn't get Rusev or Lashley at the Royal Rumble. Then they were barred from ringside Monday night on Raw. Maybe they're suspended, too. Maybe they failed some tests, too. Yeah, it's strange because for the Rumble, they talked about them getting in a huge fight in a parking lot and then didn't show a video of it, which your WWE, like, that's what you do. You do parking lot brawls. It's really weird. But what it did open the door for, Jack, was Liv Morgan versus Lana one-on-one, and I think we can both kind of agree. Lana's not good in the ring. Oh, Um, God. And Liv certainly will have better opponents in her future. But I kind of just want to say... She looked, and I, I'm not saying this in a you know uh, uh, a way of, of talking about her looks, but her look as a wrestler was fantastic. She looked great. Yeah. The attire was really good. The music sucked, but her attire looked good. Her mannerisms in the ring. Um, her new flatliner finisher off the ropes was si- pretty sick. Lana took yeah. it pretty well. And I thought it was a really good moment for Liv Morgan to get a clean one-on-one win in her first real singles women's match back over Lana, and the way I saw her after the ring, the confidence, it really made me believe that they have a future star in Liv Morgan. This is
1: why we've been pushing for Olivia for so, so long. We've seen this. Everyone knew this was coming. Now, get her out of this godforsaken story. (laughs) I was thinking to myself, in a perfect world, because like you said, I noticed, too, that Bobby and Rusev were absent two nights in a row, and it was weird. Like, not like not seen, period. Like you said, they, they could say they got into a fight in the parking lot and cut to a, a quick clip. They didn't. They just said, hey, they ain't here. Last night, they're barred from ringside, which led you to believe, oh, they're going to get to ringside somehow. Not No sight of them, either of them. So I was thinking to myself after Liv got the pin, clean pin, I said, look, if we just end this right now, like the baby face got the pin, and let's just move on with our lives and forget this ever happened.
0: Yes. Yeah, so I'm cool can- with that. We can move on with our lives, hopefully, from this storyline, and we're going to move on from this segment of the show as well. And I'm going to do it by transitioning because we just talked about Liv Morgan. As I mentioned earlier, Super Bowl Live, Super Bowl LIV is in South Florida this week. The Pick 6 NFL podcast from us at CBS Sports is going to be on location all week, delivering basically every bit of Chiefs 49ers content that you might need. Tuesday's show is going to be a recap of everything that went down On opening night, Wednesday's episode will offer insight from those that cover Kansas City and San Francisco, while Thursday will feature in-depth game analysis from Brady Quinn and two-time Super Bowl champion Bryant McFadden, both awesome guys. Uh, So stay tuned for bonus episodes with interviews from NFL players and past legends throughout the week. You can download and subscribe to the Pick 6 NFL podcast on CBS Sports wherever you get your podcasts, guys. It is a great list, and our guys over there do a fantastic job. And I seriously hope that you listen to those shows. Maybe even the Silver King will make an appearance. Probably not, but I will be uh, around those guys while they're taping. So maybe I can sneak in a little bit. Um, we speaking, are going to go ahead. Speaking of Super
1: Bowl coverage, real quick, because yeah, sure. it just it, it triggered me there for a second. Did you happen to see Corbin walking around media night last night with the freaking crowd on his head?
0: How about this? How about, how about this? How about this, man? It wasn't just Corbin, <laughs> and, I read mean, Roman. Yeah, freaking, so Roman Reigns, so the Super Bowl's on Fox, Fox. Sent them. It, it's on Fox this year. So Roman Reigns and Baron Corbin, Corbin uh, and the crown. were at Super Bowl opening night in Miami. Corbin's there wearing his crown. And what's really, what really struck me, Jack, is, you know, Corbin's a former NFL lineman, right? Yeah. He was a big boy, right? So he's standing next to some of the linemen. And I got to look at him. Man, it is inspirational the way Baron Corbin looks today. He was three,
1: three seven, 360?
0: Yeah. And I think he was. He had to have lost like 80 or 90 yeah. pounds. He looks freaking incredible. I looked up his picture uh, from when he was on the Cardinals, man. Yeah. He looks like a totally different dude. The face hair certainly helps. Man, it is, it is stark. So that was cool. You had Roman Reigns talking to uh, George Kittle, who's a huge mm-hmm. wrestling fan. I actually tried to get him on this podcast once. We do hope to get him maybe after the Super Bowl. Although, if I'm being candid, I'm taking the Chiefs, probably minus the point. So um that's who i'm rooting for but kittle great dude apparently seems to be a massive wrestling fan does the uh penta uh, Cerro miedo for a touchdown celebration a lot really really cool um but definitely excited for the game this weekend excited for these podcasts from the pick six nfl team uh and we are going to move on to some quick hitters we're going to talk nxt worlds collide here uh but before we do that we also have to hear a quick word from our friends and sponsors All right, Jack, we're back. We're going to get to NXT Worlds Collide, some of the top headlines from NXT at the end of the show. Before we do that, some quick hitters. It's almost Hero or Zero style, but we're not going to go too long on each topic. We're just going to talk about a lot of things that have happened uh, in the world of professional wrestling over the last week, and a lot of them really have to do with WWE and AEW. So we learned yesterday, also Ryan Satin from the Pro Wrestling Sheet reported, that Andrade has been suspended 30 days for a wellness violation which basically makes the angle Monday night make a lot of sense. He ate a hammerlock DDT onto the concrete from Humberto Carrillo, basically a retribution from Andrade doing that to Carrillo previously. And you had Zelina Vega interfere in that match to basically save Andrade's title once Carrillo hit the uh, moonsault. So I think it's a great way to write him off. I have no freaking idea what they were planning for the U.S. championship storyline. But what I do know is a 30-day suspension Probably isn't going to change that. What I love about the Raw brand is they have so many freaking mid-carders right now, and things are rolling in such a positive direction that we're actually not going to miss them on four weeks of television. So for me, it was a, a totally easy move for them. It's unfortunate that certainly that Andrade got suspended. Um, you know, I think the only final thing to say there is be smarter and, you know, don't put yourself in a position like that certainly right as you – are about to possibly reach one of the top moments of your career at WrestleMania.
1: Yeah, it, mildly surprising they didn't do a title switch, which is going to bring out a lot of people that are going to, you know what they're going to say. Dude. They're going to say they didn't take that title off you because of who you're going to marry. So you, you know that those people are going to come because usually you just do it. And plus, they announced the rematch so quick that it, it all lined up to, oh, they're going right, to throw it on Humberto, and then boom, this guy's suspended. They didn't do that, and now you're taking the top title on Ron. You're putting it on ice for 30 days. Yeah, but I'm not the hugest fan of that.
0: While Lesnar's not there, probably yeah, I'm not we're a
1: expecting big of putting it on ice.
0: It's going to be difficult, but let's not forget they also do have the Raw tag team titles with two with, two, with one main eventer and certainly yeah. a, a future. We hope main eventer and Buddy Murphy. So there is gravitas to the other title there. It also gives them time to develop the Becky Lynch storyline. I'm okay with it.
1: And then real quick, like. Uh, we had no suspensions for how a couple of years. Now yeah. all of a sudden they're starting. What happened? Something happened. Something was said, or something. All yeah. of a sudden, now guys, now we're getting these announcements again. Well, it was it's Robert Roode
0: and Andrade, and
1: yeah, but we went so long without seeing those announcements on WWE.com when they used to be so prevalent, and well, now maybe, all of a sudden they're starting to come out.
0: There's always the possibility that new things get discovered, and or, or tests become better for certain things. So that may be part of it, but it is certainly um, just odd to me. It's not great. It's not great timing, but, you know, doesn't really change. You know, my thoughts on Andrade, this is not ultimately real sports. I I don't look at it that way. Um, We also jackhead Tom Phillips uh, return in many ways. This guy worked three nights in a row. He called Worlds Collide. Then he called SummerSlam on behalf of the Raw brand, and he officially replaced Vic Joseph on Raw with Byron Saxton joining as the third man with Jerry the King Lawler. Um, I don't know if a lot of people noticed, but Tom Phillips' his voice was basically hoarse on Monday night, because the guy had been talking for like six for. hours over the prior two days. But he was very good in in a replacement of Maro Ronaldo at Worlds Collide. Folks, that's not permanent. Mauro was doing uh Showtime Boxing, he was doing the Garcia thing. Well, that's fight. too bad. Yeah. Um, so that that's what that was. I don't like that from you. Let's not I'm not gonna get into that right now. Uh he was really good on SummerSlam, I thought. Like actually even better than he was at Worlds Collide. And then solid on Raw, certainly his voice was affecting him. But I like the new trio. I think Saxton without Corey Graves gets the opportunity to shine. For me, he's good on the mic. People don't like him, but I think Saxton brings something. Him and Lawler, I think, will develop a really nice rapport. And Vic Joseph, I had no issue with what the job he was doing on Raw. They just didn't really put him in a position to succeed. And Phillips, if we're being completely honest, he's deserved the big chair that he had at SmackDown before they moved Michael Cole. So I really just happen to enjoy that Phillips is getting this opportunity. Nothing against Vic Joseph. Hopefully he gets whatever else is out there. NXT UK replacing, you know, um, temporary replacements on NXT, et cetera.
1: Yeah, I, it was weird from the jump when they did these announcer switches that we all kind of just after the dust settled in, we were all like, oh, cool for Vic Joseph. And all right, Michael Cole's going to Friday nights. And then we all said, wait a minute, where, where's Tom? Right. Like, it, it eventually so we're like, wait a minute, where is he? Then he shows up at NXT UK, we're like, wait, is he on punishment? Did, did, did he request to go live in England or something? But, well, no, Th- yeah. Tom's really good. He, he, he deserves a chair, so I'm, I, I'm happy with it. And Byron Saxton, I mean, come on, he called someone an a-hole
0: last night. We <laughs> miss Byron. We love my, Byron. My thought was that they were holding Phillips in the wings so that Cole, I, my thought was almost like, hey, they're going to put Cole in the chair on SmackDown for, like, six months to a year, and then Phillips is going to replace him. That way they don't screw up the Raw team. And Phillips will do X, Y, and Z in, in the interim. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if that was going to happen. But so, yet we still can't get rid of Jerry Lawler. Yeah, I, well, we, we still,
1: I, don't, I don't get
0: it. Why well, I I can't don't, let me, let me shoot let me, him me, into the sun? Let me say this. You know, it is 2020, and we probably need someone besides Jerry. But as a longtime WWE fan, hearing his voice while I'm watching Raw, it's a nice piece of nostalgia. It's, Jerry, let me put it this way. Jerry's doing better at what he's doing than jim ross's
1: uh, uh well what how much does that what does that really say it's true
0: whether it's it's, it's yeah true. but well what does that really say though no it, does, it, does, think... it doesn't say much i'm simply just saying like jr's lead announcer for AEW, jerry's a second man now you know part of a three-man booth i'm okay with it uh we had we had riddick moss debut on raw alongside mojo raleigh um Makes you know sense. It made sense. Uh, I like the idea that he's the offensive lineman protecting his blind side. Pretty cool. Uh, Moss was basically just treading water in NXT. I, dude. Look, I think, I, I think he has a future on the main dude, roster. Listen, I always oh, have. About three years
1: ago, I talked to Finn Balor. I had a lengthy conversation with Finn. And this is why this guy always sticks out in my head. And I asked Finn, I said, future star in your. Now, I'm expecting. A... The first thing Finn said to me was Riddick Moss. Yeah, And I said, he gushed over this man to me for about a solid five to seven minutes. He said, this guy has everything. He busts his ass in that performance center. He could talk. He said, he's got everything to be a future superstar. I was like, well, look, man, I'll take your word
0: for it. I trust you. So he has really solid personality and he won that performance center combine that they held last year, which just goes to show, and that was coming off of an injury too. So it goes to show how athletic this guy is. I don't know what the storyline's going to be like. I don't know what the future of the twenty four seven championship is going to be, but but don't forget, like John Cena debuted in like purple shorts too, and Randy Orton had a plain colored, you know, uh, whatever you want to call you those tights. You never know who's going to sh- uh, show up or who's going to develop. And you know what, Riddick Moss is on Raw with Paul Heyman. I trust it. I think it's going to well, be. Well,
1: that's it. what somebody said. Somebody they it was perfect description. They said this this has all the makings of a Paul Heyman heat check. Like yeah. he said, look, if there, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But guess what? Just go out there.
0: Yeah. Let's see and, what happens. And, and he wasn't, like I said, he, he was treading water on NXT. He had the Tino uh, tag team that I thought was good with Tino Sabs, Sabatelli. Um, you know, both of them got injured simultaneously during their breakup angle, yeah. right as it was about to start. He came back. He was doing the NXT house show loop in Orlando. Uh, call a group called the Outliers with Dan Matha and the guy who's now managing Chelsea. Yeah,
1: he was Robert Sto- Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Rob
0: Stone. He was managing both of them and I saw them at a house show. It was, they were fine, but Riddick Moss to me doesn't really need a partner. He, I think he has a future in WWE and may, yeah, maybe people you know didn't what, love it. Yeah, maybe people didn't love what they saw on Monday night, but I thought it was funny. Um, moving on from WWE here, Jack. Uh, Sammy Guevara showed up at the Royal Rumble <laughs> in a toy truck, uh, a toy tank. I'm sorry playing off the DX invasion of Nitro all those years ago. Uh, I just, I thought it was hysterical. People will get, you know, their panties twisted a little bit on things like that, on yep. AEW, taking some shots. To me, Whatever. Th- this was as good-natured as it gets.
1: Yeah, it was fun. It was it, it was fun for what it was. Come on, it was hilarious. Sammy's hilarious.
0: I love it. Uh, so AEW last week, we, we mentioned it briefly during the instant analysis. They taped their show on the Jericho Cruise, the Cruise of Jericho, the Rock and Roll Ranger, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, I said two weeks ago that the episode of Dynamite that they put out was my favorite yet. In the, the, history, of the, in the history of the show. At Daily's Place, yeah. At, well, no, no, no. At um, what? In Miami. The Bash of the Beach. The ba- Okay, all right. The Bash of the Beach was my favorite and still is my favorite episode of AEW Dynamite. But this was a really nice follow-up to it. Um, and we'll talk about a couple of things that happened during the show. But I absolutely love... Wrestling outdoors, being able to see the smoke and the pyro and wrestlers like Chris Jericho and Hangman Page, who I'm going to talk about next, walk to the ring with the air in their hair, their their manes flowing. It makes them look larger than life, bigger than a graphics package can do inside an arena. The crowd, despite being smaller, it's all on top of the action. It makes it feel like it's more intense. You can't do it every week obviously. Um, But I got like a little bit of ECW feels and I got some of those, if you remember, uh, you know, Nitro would do a couple outdoor Nitros or WCW would do a couple outdoor Nitros here and there. Even when you have like tribute to the troops that WWE did at some of the Air Force bases, granted there wasn't really much wind in Baghdad, but um, there's something unique and special to it. And I really enjoyed this week's edition of AEW Dynamite. And the main reason, Jack, was the start of the show with Kenny Omega and Hangman Page winning the tag team titles over SCU. It was a smart title change. Number one, number two, the storyline develop of Hangman briefly being happy to win it with Kenny, but actually just being happy for himself and taking the title and jumping into the crowd and doing a basically a stage dive, being carried up to the ramp, looking at this guy as I said with the wind flowing through his mane, Hangman Page looked more like a superstar in that moment than anyone in AEW has the entirety of the company. And I'm including John Moxley when he made his return um, at double or nothing, when he made his debut at double or nothing. That to me was my favorite moment in AEW history to this point. For all of its faults
1: <coughs> and missteps, which there've been a few, a few big ones and we've talked about them, but AEW is also, and I knew like, you know what Cody Rhodes it in charge this is going to be the case they're very good at storytelling because now with hangman we're going all the way back to all out he gets that world title shot too soon he gets beat he loses and it's been a steady change from there little by little hangman's been losing it and now we're getting to that peak where eventually he's just going to turn on the elite and the funny part is his the character has layers because yeah we're turning him heel. but in theory the dude has every right to be pissed off. We could look at Hangman and go, yeah, you have every right to be mad. These guys are kind of being dicks. If you think about it, they're, it's yeah they are. Like they're not paying any attention to you. They're talking about they're talking to Kenny Omega about um, the Pac calling him pack or pack calling him out for the uh the rubber match. Right, and Hangman's just standing there like, hey, hey, dude, we just want to tag. Who cares? Nobody cares.
0: But and it wasn't I just that. It. it wasn't just that. Also, he won the match, which but, was yeah. which, which was really important. And we, but we knew when this
1: this started, when AEW started. Hangman Page is a future single star, be it in AEW or WWE, because hey, that's wh- that's where we're looking at here. You, you know, you never know what the future holds, but Hangman Page, regardless in professional wrestling, is going to be a huge single star. It was just about developing him a little more, yeah. and that's what we're seeing right now. He's developing into that top star mode.
0: I did forget to note when I was just praising him earlier and praising the moment. What I love so much about the moment wasn't just the stage dive, wasn't just him drinking beers and the air the air flowing through his hair. It was the end of the match. With him hitting consecutive buckshot so hot. consecutive buckshot Lariats while Kenny Omega's down and getting the clean as clean as can be one, two, three in the middle of the ring. Also that under- put him over as a dominant performer and then the everything that happened afterward put him over as a star.
1: This will be the un see we're gonna you know we're gonna do year end awards and stuff all the way in December, and this is gonna yeah. get forgotten, but him staring the bucks dead in the eye and saying, "I really thought you who or who would have thought that we'd win these before you
0: right. was
1: amazing, yeah, like that was just a shot in the gut. It was like like, yeah, you're the great all powerful young bucks we Kenny and I won these tag team titles before you did you losers
0: yeah it was it was really awesome, and honestly. While I do like Scorpio Sky a lot, actually, mm. and I do like Frankie Kazarian not nearly as much, uh, I was always let down by SCU being the champions. I know why they were. It was the first champions. It totally makes sense. I was always a little bit let down by that decision. So now seeing the titles on a tag team that there's a storyline behind it and it's exciting to see what the hell is going to happen, I think it was just an absolutely great decision. Uh, moving on from AEW, that was supposed to be a quick hitter, but we, we needed to give it more time. Uh, Jack, the MJF and, and Cody... Storyline confrontation, uh, I, I don't like it. I mean, Cody's had a couple really good promos, sure. Uh, the last one just felt contrived, and the last two weeks, I don't buy it. I don't care about MJF as much as other people do. I don't think he's as good as other people do either. Um, he's very repetitive. Not that repetitive is bad. The Rock was, was and Steve Austin were insanely repetitive, don't get me wrong. But he's very repetitive. I don't think he's big enough or good enough yet to be like that. And I don't know. Uh, uh, they lost me. I, I don't really care about the story. No,
1: I, I, I'm still completely into it. I'm still completely into it. And I, I, I like how they also spread out all these different things, like the demands. I like how they spread. It gives you like, giving you something to look forward to. They're really good at this, this TV thing of being like, you got to tune in here. You got to tune in here. They've done a really good job with that so far, if nothing else.
0: OK, that's fair. Uh, we also had John Moxley uh, defeat Pac to become the number one contender for Chris Jericho's AEW world title. Completely expected, obviously. Thought it was a great match. I don't really know that there's much more to say beyond that, but uh, Pac is great. Obviously, we know that. I'm really excited to see long-term what he does in AEW. AEW has a lot of guys who could be world champion. Yeah. And not having a number two title, not having a mid-card title. They got it. Kind of puts a lot of them in this weird limbo where they could have a second title that is treated very well, akin to the old WWE Intercontinental Championship where it's your next world champion is that it holds the title. I think they need it. This match kind of showed that to me, but I'm glad Moxley won. I do think Moxley Jericho is the right match for, for AEW to continue this momentum. It is, you can, I accept the criticisms, criticisms of A, of AEW, <clears throat> excuse me, that they are putting at the top of their organization so many former WWE guys, Jericho, Moxley, Cody in particular. I get it. They're recognizable names. They're still building the company. I'm okay with it. Yeah, this is,
1: this is fine. Um, I just, I really, really thought, but again, we don't know what their patterns are really because i really thought that i pulled back on my original prediction of kenny omega getting the title shot memorial day weekend at triple or nothing quadrant whatever they're going to call it i really thought that was going to be the case but now they're doing it they're doing moxley jericho now so i'm like "Ah, it it really it really leads you to to wonder going in if they're going to do the title switch or not or if jericho's going to pull some some more heel stuff with the inner circle. It, I like it because it's interesting. Cause you it, it go 50, 50
0: for sure. Uh, last but not least, this just happened yesterday. Uh, Marty Skrull uh, appeared surprisingly at an NJPW show. I believe it was in Charlotte and challenged Jay White for, for Supercard of honor, the show that takes place from ring of honor, every WrestleMania weekend. We knew that this would eventually happen in terms of scroll returning to NJPW reports were that, Certainly, he re-signed with Ring of Honor, got a huge contract akin to a, apparently a – I don't know if it's a WWE main roster contract or main eventer contract. I'm not sure what the report was, but he got a lot of money. He and got he also, the bag. That's got all that bag. matters. He got the bag, and he also got some booking power. He's the lead booker now for Ring of Honor according to reports. Um, it also provides him with the ability to do other things he wants to do, including working for NWA, which he's been doing, working for NJPW, which apparently he is now – about to come back for Supercard of Honor Which is the NGPW and Ring of Honor Co-branded show um, And One of the other things that has been reported Is they would love for him to figure out A working relationship somehow With AEW I don't think that's going to happen and even if it did I don't think it happens for a long time but AEW being on national television has Far more to offer Ring of Honor Than Ring of Honor does a couple of talents Basically just just Marty and maybe A tag team here or there um, But I am happy to see that Marty got this opportunity, Jack, and a Marty Skrull jay White match, I'm probably still not going to go to Supercard of Honor WrestleMania weekend, but it'll it, it get me close.
1: It, it it It's a big boost, and, and like I respect anything Marty Squirrel does. I think this deal is hilarious just because we spent so, 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 so long saying D- AEW, maybe WWE will just steal them away with a big offer. Then Sinclair Broadcasting just says, hey, Marty, do you want to make as much as, like, John Cena? I mean, yeah, that's oh, an example. They're John like, Cena. you want to make as much as John Cena? He's like, wait, what? They're like, yeah, and guess what? You can do whatever you want, too. You want to go over there? Go. You want to go? They're, they're like, do you want to write the show? Yeah, sure. And then it took, what, a week? Did you see
0: Bubba Ray Dudley showed up on the bump? Yeah, I know. Yeah,
1: I, 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 I said, Marty kicked his ass all the way back to WWE.
0: I saw that. I do, I do think that's funny, and it is always strange for me, Bubba, because he's clearly in Ring of Honor. He'll and he do, does, yeah. He'll do WWE stuff, and he has busted open radio, where he basically talks yeah. about anything but Ring of Honor, because no one cares yeah. about Ring, no one gives a crap about Ring of Honor. So I've just always found that to be entertaining, what Bubba no, does, Marty, but
1: he's he, done the mic. Marty, but, but essentially, all the jokes aside, Marty's job is to try to make Ring of Honor relevant again. Yeah. It'll never be as relevant as when it was hands down the best professional wrestling promotion in the world for about a solid four to five years. When somebody first told me, hey, go to this channel and check this out when it was a small TV. And I did. And I fell in love in 2003. I saw Brian Danielson. I said, I love this. This is my new wrestling. And I stuck with it. You're not going to probably not going to get back to that point. But I do trust that Marty is going to do everything in his power with these partnerships to say, let's make this not so much of a joke anymore.
0: Well, it, it, it had been horrible. And I think you're seeing that they at least made a good decision. It's always tough to put that much power in a talent's hands, but he's creative. He's, he's obviously extremely good in the ring. So I do trust that he's going to get them somewhat back on track. It now just hurts
1: have- me because NXT is doing what it's doing. And Sinclair Broadcasting, as we know, you know, I know they're controversial, but they're loaded with Young, money. Uh, you look yeah. at Ring of Honor, you say there is no reason whatsoever you should not be putting out a product at least remotely close to NXT.
0: There's no reason for it. And AEW, There's yeah. no reason for it. Yeah, absolutely. No, you're 100% right. Um, so that is going to kind of wrap up our quick hitters here. And we're going to move into NXT World Collide and really just a look overall at NXT as we move into the lead up, I guess, to take over Portland. Uh, on Worlds Collide itself, we, we, we're not going to go through every match, Jack. But uh, Balor, uh, Elijah Dragunov—fair to say, good match, but our expect—it didn't live up to our expectations, right? Needed a little more time. Yeah, needed more time. Uh, Jordan Devlin won the redesigned Cruiserweight cool. title over Swerve. Uh, d- d- deserved. Angel Garza and Travis Banks. Two things here. One, the new title. Look, <laughs> Doug, look, I've been I've been asking NXT to do two things. <clears throat> redesign for from a title perspective redesign the freaking cruiserweight title and put the NXT on the UK championship because it's yeah, not the WWE yeah. UK championship yeah. they have done both over the last month so no one's listening to me necessarily but at least my request got filled the new cruiserweight title is gorgeous it's a deep, it. deep 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 purple as opposed to the bright purple and they have some purple highlights in the silver um it's great i'm going to disagree with you in terms of i know you're happy that Devlin won Garza just won the title. I would have loved to have seen Devlin kind of get taken out by Garza and swerve and then gotten into a feud with Garza and then maybe won the title one-on-one take over Portland. It was too quick of a, ter- a change for me. I don't know what their plans are. I do think Devlin's great, obviously. I wouldn't have changed the title, but the match was awesome. Well,
1: to, to this point, coming into this show, I, I was asking myself, I said, this is not a normal TakeOver. This is NXT versus NXT UK. But this is also the first time you're doing a show like this. Something big has to happen. So, of course, I said, well, that has to... Looking at the card, I said, well, that's got to be a title change. So then I'm looking, I'm like, well, there's only two damn title matches on this show. Yeah. Only one you could change. Now, maybe it goes right back on Garza's. Like you said, maybe it goes right back on him. And this was just done for... Because you need that moment your first show. Like, you can't just go through these matches and say... It's fair. You know, hey, good match, good match, good match. Like, great show, everyone. You got to do something to... So this... And in, four, in a four-way setting, I, I'm yeah. okay. I'm okay with it from that person. If they if they put it on back on Garza in three weeks or whatever, when I'm, whenever um, Portland is, I, that's fine too.
0: Yeah, no, you're. you're that's fair. I'll take that. Uh, you also had Rhea Ripley defending the NXT Championship against Tony Storm, and I think it's fair to say these two don't work together. It just this match was not particularly good. There was it, it, it? wasn't bad by any means. or two good workers. But we've now seen them fight like three times in major matches. And it's just there's the chemistry isn't there between those two. It's time. And it's time. It's time to let
1: Tony work heel. Yeah, probably. That's what I noticed. It's time to let her. I've seen it before. I've seen it. it, it, Trust me. It'll be a lot better for fans who
0: aren't too, too familiar with her. It's time to let her just start working heel. She she does seem to have that heelish personality in real life. So I agree with that completely. But. This match was, if you're going to talk about disappointment, this match really disappointed me. I just expect better from that. Oh, me too. No, um, I
1: agree, unfortunately.
0: And, and you know, that, that, does, that does happen. It doesn't really speak to their talent. They're both extremely talented. Uh, DIY defeated Mustache Mountain in the best match on on the card, in my opinion. Uh, the main event was really good. The the Cruiserweight title match was very good. This match was everything. Uh, There were parts that were a bit corny where they kind of got into the stuff that people criticize independent wrestling for the, oh, hey, we're faces. Let's kind of, you know, make some jokes early in the match and whatever. Uh, But once that ended, once that portion of the match ended, things ramped up in a major way. Everyone got their big spots in. Uh, I don't think it was a five-star match by any means, but, man, it was like a 4.5, really entertaining tag team match.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was great. Everything you'd expect from these four.
0: And then the uh, main event, Imperium, ends up defeating Undisputed Era, which I don't remember what we predicted, but I feel like we did predict that because it made the most sense by far, considering what happened Wednesday, which was Roderick Strong uh, losing the NXT North American Championship. The wheels are coming off. We'll talk about that in a moment, but it basically is telling us the wheels are coming off, like you said, of Undisputed Era. Walter winning is never a bad thing, right? Uh, Walter was incredible in this match. his chops were like uh, Rod, Roddy and um, Adam Cole were just other freaking worldly. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly got the absolute crap kicked out of him, as he always does. Alexander Wolf got hurt early in the match, real, uh, and got brought up to the back. So it seemed like there were a lot of spots they ended up needing to call him the flyjack. But what a match. I don't think I—I've probably seen a better eight-man tag— I just don't remember ever I, seeing a better eight man tag.
1: I just love because, like, like you've been on the show before. When Walter signed, you didn't know him. And you came to me and you said, Jack, oh, what is, who is this? What is this guy? And you were just like everybody else. You're like, look at him.
0: What he's so a special? He's like a, fla- he's and, like a flabby Austrian. Right? And I
1: said, just watch. I said, this guy is a star. And yeah. you've been watching. And yet here yeah. we are every single time the man is in the ring. Right. It's incredible what he could do. It's insane. And, but yes, he looks bland. Yet, at the same time, he just has that presence of, I'm a top star. Yeah. Like, we saw in the Royal Rumble, like, Keith Lee standing across from Brock Lesnar was awesome, and Keith looked like he belonged. Walter standing across from Brock Lesnar, you will automatically think Walter's going to kill this man.
0: I'm going to give you a little test right here. See, how, see if we are truly on the same page this week like we seem to be. Okay? NXT Worlds Collide, entire show, who is the individual most impressive person? if not most impressive, maybe surprising, unexpected, uh, well, I think, exceptional. Oh, I, what, Marcel Bartel,
1: that, he in that match too, especially having to step up in the manner in which he did, I think that was the first time since he signed with WWE that they've kind
0: of let him turn that loose. Close, but not on the same page. Fabian Eichner for me. And Eichner I, I, I too. He you know, was freaking, who who built like that? flies Eichner. like he does. It's
1: well, crazy. Eichner is a product of what they started doing about a year and a half ago of, with through this partnership with Gabe and Evolve. NXT is sending these guys that still need some seasoning, but they don't have yeah. enough TV time. They're sending them to Evolve. They sent Eichner. Hell, Eichner, in one of the most shocking, he won the Evolve title. I remember that was shocking as all. hell. we are like, wait yeah. a minute, you, they put the title on the NXT guy? And he held it for a little bit, but he went there to get some seasoning. And that's where he Cause he he didn't work like that in NXT. He went that's to Evolved and figured out, hey, look, I could do this, I could do this, I could do this, and that's the, this is the this is the polished product that we get.
0: He's completely unique, and that Evolve thing is a really good point. Um, you've seen it with some NXT superstars as well, where they've you know, meaning not non UK, uh, where they've gone there, done a little bit, come back. I'm very excited when WWE does go to a tiered model on the network. I actually hope that they take Evolve and and make it the new developmental territory. We have enough wrestling to watch, I know. But being able to occasionally have that to check in on or when we hear there's a great match, that would be very, very nice. Evolve, ICW, progress. They're
1: all out. WXW, yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, Now, wrapping up a couple of NXT things before we get out of here. As I mentioned earlier, Keith Lee won the North American title from Roderick Strong on last week's show. Uh, I think think you and I are of the same mind. God. Freaking great match! Keith Lee is awesome. He was awesome yeah. at, at the Royal Rumble too. But I know they wanted to take the title off Roddy. I feel like Keith Lee is such a main eventer and such a yes pro- a WWE proper guy, yes. Raw SmackDown that this stunts that growth and development.
1: Yeah, I don't, like, and I under But people need to understand. Yeah, I don't like this. I didn't like that move at all because then. Uh, just a few days later, there he is standing across from Brock Lesnar and it still hits you. You're like, come on. Right. It's not a knockout.
0: I love NXT to death, but there are still certain people that just don't belong there. I mean, Keith Keith is one of Keith Lee in the last three months has had huge moments with Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar and gotten, and gotten great crowd reactions. And if you're going to do that, the move is not to make him the North American champion. It's to make him, if anything, the NXT champion. So, yeah. It, just, it, it feels like a, a too little, especially when you have other dudes. You have a Damian Priest. If they weren't in this yeah. Dusty Rhodes thing, you have a Matt Riddle. Dunne. You have Pete Dunn, Tyler Bate. You have other guys who they could have booked to beat him. But again, I think I, – I know I speak for Jack. We are massive Keith Lee fans. I think, Jack, I've become a bigger Keith Lee fan than you are. But – it just didn't seem like the right booking at the right time. No, that's, no, that's wrong
1: person. But hey, God bless him. So, you know, great success. Congratulations.
0: Also on NXT, uh, this is some more bad injury news. It looks like Io Shirai injured her knee. Yeah. Uh, she posted a picture of a knee brace, maybe out a little bit of time. Reports are it's not torn, whatever happened to her. So let's, hope for, let's hope for... Yeah, yeah. So let's hope for it's two months and we can get her back for NXT TakeOver Tampa. That would be awesome. But right now it's TBD. Uh, and Io Shirai, you know, our favorite women's wrestler in WWE. So it's pretty difficult. Um, also we had Shayna Baszler against Shotzi Blackheart, the retribution, the, the retribution match for that women's battle royal where Shotzi eliminated Baszler. Baszler also got retribution on Blackheart, eliminating her from the Royal Rumble, which was pretty cool that they were both in that. Um, I guess they may continue the storyline, Jack, but honestly, I think this was a way to kind of get Baszler out of there. And bring her up to the main roster. I think it was, hey, Baszler's still here. She has this little Shotzi thing. She gave her a rub. She got a win back. Now she's gone. I don't yeah. expect to see Baszler again on NXT. No, no.
1: The next time we see Shayna Baszler, I, and please don't like don't break my heart on Wednesday, but the next time we see Shayna Baszler, will be on a Monday or a Friday, whatever they're choosing to do with her, because I do think she's going to play a key piece in WrestleMania somewhere. Yeah. No, I think, her I job think it's going to be a, Monday.
0: I think it's going to be Becky. I it
1: did. was crystal clear watching this match that her job was to put over Shotzi. On her way out, and she did that. She did. Shayna did a perfect job yeah, of putting over shots. He is a legitimate threat in this women's division.
0: And it was well booked. The fact, like you said, that like she put her over, but still won. Yep. It was it was just perfectly done because there's no harm really in, well, ta- in thing, tapping after kind of, her, you know.
1: Especially with submission artists like Shayna Baszler, you could you could have your ass kicked the, the entire match, but then all it takes is one little mistake, and you catch something. So you can look at the baby face and say, "Oh, well, you just screwed up one time. That's a, that's what did you in."
0: It it did work out really perfectly. And then last but not least, this is a slight preview for this week's NXT. Uh, the Broserweights and the Grizzled Young Veterans are in the finals of the Dusty Cup. We're also uh, going to get the Dakota Kai-Tegan Knox match, by the way. Yeah. But we, I don't really – don't feel like we have too much time to go through that whole thing. But uh, the finals of the Dusty Cup, uh, I thought these two teams have cut a couple great promos, uh, both Wednesday night and then uh, Saturday during um, Worlds Collide. I was very entertained – the whole NXT crowd chant of Riddle's gonna smoke you is incredible. Uh Pete Dunne playing the kind of happy-go-lucky-a-little-bit guy who's kind of going along with it and having fun is cool, too. It does make me wonder. I don't think he's gonna turn on him, but it does make me wonder if they actually lose the Dusty Cup and because one of them screws up, maybe, because Riddle is playing around a little too much, and then Dunne and him get into a feud and ended up fighting at one of the takeovers. I think that's what's gonna happen. I think grizzled young veterans are gonna win, but... If the Broser weights one man, they're a pretty awesome team. So I wouldn't hate that at all.
1: I think that this is just my theory. <clears throat> um, and part of like NXT UK serves a few purposes. And so far, what it's also shown me is that it's almost like a proving ground for Triple H. For they're like, look, if you could get yourselves over here, I'll bring you to Orlando, and we'll see if we could just keep this rise going. Gibson and Drake more than prove themselves as these guys are awesome. And Zach Gibson is one of the best talkers. Just the accent and the, the manner in which he could scream, but he doesn't, He the dude never stumbles over his words. Never. He's he's incredible when you put a microphone in his hands. I, th- I think they're going to win. They're going to win this, and they're going to give them a little push in NXT. And NXT could use some tag teams, especially if you're going to, if you're going to take away Undisputed Era, say in the next two months, having Gibson and Drake there
0: is perfectly fine with me. I agree. And when you're talking about the NXT tag team division, I think this tournament kind of proved that it's shallow right now. Yeah, we need uh, a little bit. They, they brought up too many people too fast. And maybe there's some people in the Performance Center that can come in. That'd be cool. But I got to be honest, watching Raw last couple of weeks, I wouldn't hate if the Viking Raiders went back down.
1: No, I'd keep them, I'd, I'd keep them up. I just I, I don't think it works. I, I I still I'm still just a little confused, if anything. Like I, I get they're funny, but I'm like, are the Street
0: Profits gonna wrestle?
1: That's something else like, too. What do you
0: do? Like why why did you do that then? Like I don't hate every other week them having a segment like that, but every week it's very I don't wanna I don't want this to come out wrong. It it is Angelo Dawkins and, and Montez Ford seem to be making that their own and doing what they want to do in many ways with it. But it is corny. And it's repetitive. And in some ways, it's a little stereotypical. And what I know is that what I like most about the Street Profits is their personality in the ring. Montez Ford's athletic ability. The fact that you have the OC in the Royal Rumble and you don't have Montez Ford in the Royal Rumble, that should not happen. And perfect Royal Rumble. Nearly perfect. I'm just kind of saying I want this guy jumping off the freaking top rope with one of the craziest frog splashes I've ever seen at least every other week. So yeah. get these guys in a freaking storyline, make it work, and stop having them be like the hosts of Raw. They are so much better than that.
1: Yeah, that's what confuses it. Like I love that. I, I don't think I've met a person who doesn't love them. We, we love them. But yeah, the, some of these segments, you're like, why? Why, why are you doing this? Like, then you, then you do say to yourself, as much as I love seeing him up here,
0: wouldn't hurt to see him back on Wednesdays, especially now that they're on TV. I mean, come on. I would say that also, except I just, I know that they were, they're working so well on Raw with what let's, they them them to do that, that I don't think that's ultimately happen. with, with uh, Dawkins and Ford. Let's
1: see what happens. I hate saying this, but let, let's see what happens after WrestleMania.
0: Maybe let's see, yeah. let's see what happens in the summer. There are definitely, there are talents on both shows right now that they're just not in the WrestleMania plans. It seems like Profits are are, are one of those teams. It It seems like Ali is one of those people um, that that hasn't really been around at all, and things are happening. Uh, The Iconics, unless they're going to, now I know the stuff that's happening in Australia may be affecting them, certainly, but Buddy's there, so I I don't really know what exactly is happening. Um, But the Iconics and some women's wrestlers, there just seems to be a lot of people that are not at all being utilized right now. That said, WWE is utilizing more of its talent at a single time than it has been in years. Yeah. So I, I do think they're going to get into this situation where there's a nice rotation and we see Carmella up and doing something. We see Naomi up and doing something and they, and Manny Rose is doing the storyline right now with Sonya. They're getting featured. So I, I do anticipate that WWE is going to start using its talent better and because they have been, I just don't necessarily know what they have in store for the Street Profits in the foreseeable future. And they do seem like a team where you want to strike while the, iron, while the iron's hot. Kind of like with Enzo and Big Cass, right? And they never won the titles in NXT. They got called up. They were basically the hottest act on Raw. And they never put the titles on them. And then they split them up. Yeah, That cannot happen. And then they both imploded. Um, that cannot happen with the Street Profits. Now, those guys, I think, are better. I than don't I think would. so. But still.
1: Again, we you know, we we say the name constantly. The only thing that get, that gives me a sense of optimism for the street profits is Paul Heyman. Yeah, I think he knows. He knows what to do. I mean, it sucks that they're stuck right now, but I have I'm optimistic that he knows what to do.
0: Yeah, I do have to agree with that for sure. All right, Jack. That is this edition of the State of Combat Professional Wrestling Podcast. Coming two shows, folks, in inside of three days here, oh. our instant analysis. From the Royal Rumble, do not forget to go back and listen to that. It's an hour-long show. We break down the entire Royal Rumble, why the main event was so freaking great, and basically how WWE began its road to WrestleMania. With one of its best pay-per-views in the last couple of years, like I mentioned earlier, don't forget to subscribe to the Pick 6 podcast. Super Bowl Live all week. It's going to be great. Uh, we will be back next week with another edition of the SOC wrestling edition. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Silverstein Adam. Follow Jack at Jay Crosby CBS. Follow both of us and all of our combat sports offerings from Brian Campbell and the rest of the crew at State of Combat. Plenty going on in the month of February in professional wrestling, uh, professional wrestling, definitely, but also the world of boxing. And MMA, I believe we have UFC 247 with Jon Jones. And we have the Deontay Wilder-Tyson Fury rematch, both of which are going to be awesome. So again, at State of Combat on Twitter, CBSSports.com for all of our combat sports writing. And Jack, a little bit of breaking news. The soundboard will be back On next week's show, Silver King has been The last last couple of episodes Remote, so again, no Savage, I don't have Kenny Omega Sending you off by saying adieu Uh, We're just going to leave you with those Two words that you know always come out of these lips We out